0: Um, And thanks for giving Matt a break tonight. Much deserved, Matt. Much deserved. Um, Can you guys hear me? All right. Do I need to bend this a bit? Um, I know there's a few of you here for the first time, so uh, for those I haven't met, uh, my name's Nicholas, um, or as my students know me, uh, Dr. KJ. Um... So welcome to Kingdom Life. Um, and if you're on you, you've landed in the middle of a series, um, but um, <laughs> I think these sermons will stand alone. Uh, before, before I start, um, you know, as, as Amanda said, uh, today is Yom Kippur, and there's, there's hundreds of churches around the country that have been praying today, uh, and praying for the nation, and and I, and I hope that, that we all individually are praying for the nation. Um, and I, yeah, I wanted to say that it is something that I took to the Lord. It's something that I, I asked him if he wanted me to to speak um, on some things that are happening in, in the country. Um, and I just, I didn't get a, a yes to that. So I felt the Spirit saying, focus on, on where you are. Um, but... I, I, I still need to is Joel uh, here somewhere? Um, hey, <laughs> Joel, good to see you, man. Um, I, I do plan in the next uh, few weeks to have a midweek session um, where we can just come together as a family, and, and you guys can ask me questions. Um, and maybe I can rope Joel into that. Um, again, uh, we did that, probably, I think it was a year ago or so. Um, and I, I'm also planning for the church to come together in prayer before the elections, that we will, we will gather and we'll pray for the nation. Um, I come from a country where God, which God saved, and I don't doubt the power of prayer. Okay. Um, but hmm. i thought the Lord saying, and it's um, something I've said already before, but the, 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 the more crazy the world around us gets, the more we need God, okay? And the more God needs us to be his agents. So bear with me on this. Our our theme is is still living water. You know, it's probably going to be this till Christmas, the way this is going, but we'll see. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to the bottom, the depths, you know, capture the depths of it. Um, But I I felt the Lord saying that he wanted me to say, you know, uh, just to cover some ground again, um, Kath and I had this uh, pastor in in England who was, I guess, pastor of probably the biggest church in England, and he said he would preach on the same thing until people started coming to him and uh, telling him that everything that he was saying was their idea, that um, they needed to be sold. And I don't think you guys need to be sold. I think my heart needs to be reminded. And so maybe God's going to make me preach this until I get it, and you guys can just be bored until that happens, okay? Um, but maybe maybe all of us will grow. But I, I, I said last week I wanted to talk more about the kind of spiritual reality of worship um, because we focused in on, on Jesus calling us to worship in spirit and in truth. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's a challenging scripture that in John 4 because, you know, he says the Father's looking for those who worship in spirit and truth. But he says he's looking for the true worshippers, which kind of implies there are a lot of false worshippers, doesn't it? Um, you know, and I, don't want to be, I don't want to be in that group. Um, and you know, I'm going to preach tonight, and I'm going to say this. I, I felt the Lord saying, don't go too deep. There's some basic things that he wants me to say first. Okay? However, once I'm through this, you might say that was more than we expected. But... Depends what your definition of deep is, I guess. So, we're going to keep pressing against this idea of spirit and truth. And one of the things that I said last week is when Jesus talks about spirit and truth, he, he's creating a new reality. Okay, he's creating a spiritual reality as much as a practical reality. So, this, this idea of spirit and truth, um, of worshiping in, in spirit and truth, Obviously, it's in John 4. He's talking to the Samaritan woman. I'm not going to read that again. We've read it twice in the last two weeks. Okay? But he's talking about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And he's talking in that context about the living water that he is able to give to people. That spirit and truth and water and his living water. And as we experience more of him, we experience more of his spirit, we are able to more deeply worship him through the spirit. Um... And this, just to state the obvious, I mean, this captures one of the most beautiful things about the gospel, the heart of the gospel. Today's John Kippur, when we, we look at the, at the Jews sacrificing for the forgiveness of their sins. And we think about how the Jews, the Israelites, would have an opportunity to go before God, but one man would have that opportunity to go before God one time a year, to go into the holies of holies. And Jesus is saying, In his death, he's torn the veil. We sang about that. He's torn the veil. And later in John, he talks about how we are going to be united in the Trinity. And we're united in the Trinity through his spirit. And I think the more that that we encounter Jesus, um, there's, there's so much to our faith, isn't there? And there's so many ways we can be engaged in the world. But honestly, and and I'm not calling us to to a monastic life here, but if, if we can capture, if we can capture what it means to know Jesus and what it means to worship him truthfully with all that we are, and if we can meet him in that worship, in spirit, then I would say that we've fulfilled our greatest purpose. This is what it says about Jesus in Revelation 4. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. He is, he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of us not complicating it with other stuff. He who holds all things together. But, you know, of course, Jesus did not, um, he didn't come just so we would join a monastery and wait to die. He came to build a kingdom. Um, and as he said to Pilate, this is not a kingdom of the world. It's not a kingdom as you know it. This is a kingdom of the Spirit. And if we're going to be a part of that kingdom, we had better be a part of His Spirit. We had better be full of His Spirit. Because this thing about worshipping the Spirit Sorry, worshiping in spirit and truth. It's not just an idea. Okay, this is a, this is a spiritual reality. I'm gonna keep saying that. This is a spiritual reality. Um, so think about the disciples that Jesus says to them before before he leaves them, go to Jerusalem, wait, wait until you're given power from on high. We know before that, the last time you know Jesus meets them, um, they're busy fishing. Well, they they spend three years with Jesus learning about everything. And what do they do when he disappears? They go fishing. You know? It's so like us, isn't it? This thing doesn't like my ear. They, these guys, sound guys basically like playing jokes and they, they swap it out every week. They give you a different one and then your ear rejects it. But anyway. Um, the disciples went fishing. And Jesus meets them again. And yeah, I wonder what he was thinking after all the time I spent with you. But he knows, doesn't he? He knows that what's going to change in them, how they're going to be engaged into the Trinity, how they're actually going to be able to appreciate who he is, how they're going to be able to advance his kingdom. They need the Spirit of God. And so he tells them to wait in Jerusalem. And then we get Pentecost. Now, I've said once before, when I, when I look at God's plan, plan to take over the world kind of thing, it seems absolutely ridiculous. Okay, there's no tanks, no airplanes, no cavalry, No bows and arrows, no swords. It's not even like a burning fire apart from that little flame that sits on their heads at Pentecost. The fire that he puts inside his disciples. And he takes this really weird group of men and women and children that were around them and tells them to change the world. And it's the Spirit that does that. Jesus and John say this in John 7. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. By this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we have this spiritual reality of the disciples being filled. And I know many of us have experienced the, the filling of the Spirit and how it's transformed our lives. Um, but I did say last week that sometimes I think we... <laughs> say this carefully. I think we can be saved just as the disciples were. Just as Jesus said to the Samaritan woman that my living water be like a fountain. But what the disciples experience at Pentecost is different. That infilling of the Spirit. And we know in Acts, we know the disciples visit people who have been baptized, and then they meet the Holy Spirit. We have the baptism of the the water, and we have the baptism of the Spirit. And God creates in us a new spiritual reality that allows us to worship in Spirit and truth, and allows us to be joined with the Father and this is the most profound thing about our faith it's, there's no other faith that says we can be joined with the God of all gods, the creator of all things through simply saying I'm sorry, I repent forgive me of my sins fill me it's the simplest thing so I've said a few times that I got excited um, in the spring. Uh, forgive me, IWI students, because I'm obviously not at IWI, but I, I was really excited at what I saw happening at Taylor. And there's a few people in the room um, that I've, I've spoken to and, um, and, and many others. Um, but God started to move again, sovereignly. And that's always the most exciting times. Um, when he just, you know, he starts to encounter people. His presence starts to meet people. Um, so, you know, some people got healed. Um, some people got, you know, the gift of tongues. Um, sometimes without asking for it, which is always funny. You know, just kind of, oh, there it is, that's weird. Um, <laughs> and I, I felt, just felt the Lord saying, just talk about my spirit. Just talk about what it looks like. Because what, I, what I'm asking you to do is, as a church family is to press into his spirit. To press into Jesus. And to allow his spirit to meet you. And it's it's what I'm trying to do again at 46. And, you know, there's no formulas, there's no rules. I know people who are 80 and have been searching for God for decades. And I know Satanists who are doing a satanic ritual and Jesus walks out the fire and meets them. You know, he does what he wants to do. You know, it's Jesus. But I do see over and over again there are some patterns. There are some patterns to the way that he works. And, and the first thing is, can we worship in spirit and truth? Will we actually adore him? Will we love him? So in Revelation, it's talking, talking about worship. It's, it's adoration. It's, it's bowing. It's homage. It's giving everything of ourselves because we're in the presence of glory and beauty and love. And the funny thing about God, of course, is that if we ask to meet Him, then the Spirit actually enables us to do that. We're not doing it out of just our own strength. But He loves us to worship in spirit and truth, and He loves having hearts that seek Him. However imperfectly, however imperfectly do we have hearts, even when we mess up, and especially when we mess up, that will turn and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I need more of you. And then thirdly, will we, will we be willing to surrender? Yeah, maybe we like to say that's easy. I don't know. It really isn't. Will we be willing to surrender and repent? But you know when it does get easy is when you actually start encountering Jesus and you encounter the Spirit and you realize, wow, Paul was right. I will give up everything to know him. Everything is lost if I'm actually getting to know him. So what does it look like to encounter the Spirit? Um, so I'm, I'm going to rattle off a few things here, okay? just I want you guys to have a grit, because I'm asking you to go out, and I'm asking you to pray, and I'm asking you to worship and Spirit and Truth, and I'm asking you to ask Jesus to meet you. So if something weird happens, I want you to be prepared, okay? But not all of them are weird. So um, the most common experience of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, okay? And this, this is a, non, a no-brainer, Okay? If you meet the Holy Spirit, you're going to experience His fruit. And guys, if you look around us, look around yourselves, on your campus or on the state or on the country, do you see a need for love? And do you see a need for peace? And do you see a need for patience? And do you see a need for kindness? And do you see a need for gentleness? If you're struggling with anxiety, and I know so many people do, the gift of peace The supernatural gift of peace is an alarming thing. so, so wonderful. Such an incredible gift. Sometimes the Holy Spirit manifests in forgiveness. Which is a funny thing. But part of peace, obviously, is forgiveness. Being able to let things go. Sometimes He'll just do that. He'll take the pain out of you. I would say the most common experience that I've had of the Holy Spirit, and maybe that I've heard, is serenity and peace. Are the two most common experiences of the Spirit? I have a few friends who yawn every time they experience the Spirit. That's really funny. But it's like, well, that's a sign, isn't it? It's like, oh, I feel so sleepy and peaceful. <laughs> we can experience. The Spirit, obviously, in these very physical ways, our senses are really important, but they're obviously not everything. I remember the first time I prayed for someone to be filled with the Spirit, and I was 16, I'd just been filled with the Spirit, so it's what you do, isn't it? Because you're all excited. And um, nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened, and I prayed in tongues for this guy. Um, I never prayed in tongues aloud for anyone. I was scared stiff. Um, And I'm kneeling in front of him, and as I prayed, he just started laughing. This beautiful, beautiful laughter. And if you knew this guy, and you knew the torment of his life, I'd never heard him laugh. Wow. And his laughter was the second thing I noticed. Because the first thing I noticed was this presence that was like a wind, but I didn't feel it physically. I felt it spiritually. That just went through the room, came through the window, and went out the door of his room. And as it passed it, he just burst into laughter. And it was, all right, he's real. <laughs> so he's physically, he's physically real. <coughs> And of course, we get the gift of tongues. Now, I've done, I've preached on tongues three times, okay? And there's sermons online, so I'm not preaching about tongues, so maybe I will one day soon, because it's something that people can be quite weird about and have weird experiences of, with, you know, for good reason. It is, it is a bit odd. But tongues gives such a lie to the idea that God doesn't want to experience this. Because what is more intimate than, than language and being able to communicate with someone in a way that only you can understand and he can understand. It's the most beautiful expression of God saying, I love you, and I want you to experience me, and I want you to be able to communicate with me in the spirit. Talk about a spiritual reality. So, Grace and Joe, would you just stand up quickly? I just, you know, this, is, this is really not anything extravagant. I'm not going to make them do anything. Okay, but you, sometimes we're filled with the spirit, we, and we think, okay, so Joe's here, and this is like, come up to the front, and... and um, <laughs> And we're just going to have a nice prayer. Nothing's going to happen. I just feel a bit of peace. And then this is speaking in tongues. This is the crazy stuff. Okay. <laughs> this is the crazy stuff. Um, but the truth is, and, and this is the horrible thing. Sorry to make you uncomfortable, but tongues is about... Yeah. Okay. There's a whole lot more crazy over here that we're going to talk about. Okay. So if, if the tongues is the weird thing for you... Good luck. Okay. (laughs) All right, you can sit down now. Thank you, guys. Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful demonstrations. Um, Sometimes when Matt's up here ministering at the end of the service, he he, he will occasionally say, this is what you might be feeling. And everyone's different, okay? Everyone's different. Um, Sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes you'll just feel heat, and it's a weird thing. But you might be praying with your hands out, and your hands will start to get warm. There there are times when people will actually um, have oil coat their hands. It's the weirdest thing. Like, why, Lord? I don't know. He just, he just does it. That's his choice. Obviously, when the Spirit comes, we hear His voice. And you know, we love practicing hearing God's voice. We love talking about that, how God is—he wants to speak to all of us. We all have the ability to hear His voice. And when the Spirit's moving, it's so much easier to hear His voice. For the guys who pray up here, there's, there's weeks where yes, someone walks up and you, just, like, you know exactly what God's going to say to them for the next five minutes because He's just speaking. And it's like you... You're just tied to the Holy Spirit. And you can just hear His voice. And there's something so profoundly uniting about hearing someone's voice, isn't there? When you speak to a friend and you talk, it unites you. When you hear God speaking, it's a, such a beautiful thing. Creating this unity between us. So sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll hear His voice. Sometimes we'll, we'll see visions. Um, some people actually see visions, like, for real, like, not just in their mind's eye, but like out, like God's talk, like on a TV screen. Um, those are quite rare, but they, yeah, you know, it could happen. Um, often God will, uh, the spirit will feel like electricity going through your body. Um, like you get the shivers sometimes, but it doesn't stop. It kind of just keeps going, and it goes up and down your body. <coughs> Again, I don't know why, but that's one of the ways that he communicates with us, that he's, that he's with us, that he's filling us. And if that happens, just... Just be in His presence. It's like it's not complicated. And if He says something to you, fantastic. If He's just blessing you, fantastic. Sometimes you'll feel this this weightiness. um, Like a heavy blanket has been laid on you. And it's it's comforting. It's not draining, it's comforting. Like you've been embraced. Like you can feel His arms around you. Um... Then, you know, to get slightly more weird, you get, you know, sometimes you'll, some, some people will, will shake physically. And I talked briefly about Amanda a few weeks ago when she was a student, were you a senior, junior, senior, when that happened? Oh, I think I was a sophomore. Sophomore? Um, and Amanda had a really powerful experience with the Holy Spirit, which left her with very little control of her body physically um, for a few days few weeks there was really bad for a few days and for those of you sometimes sit in my classes you're sitting in world politics almost falling out the chair It was hilarious Um, but not hilarious when you're the woman's on the women's soccer team and you can't kick a soccer ball it's kind of awkward but it did lead some great conversations with a coach okay but amanda you can talk about that another time but one of the things i saw the lord doing in that it's like why lord why would why do you do this and I, and I know one of the things that he was doing, um, whether Amanda knows or not, but I think she does, um, is that the year, well, earlier that year, I would prayed for her. I would prayed her original design. And I know that one of the things that God had said about her wasn't something that Amanda really wanted to receive. It scared her a little bit. And the way the Spirit moved in her life, you had to surrender, didn't you? You had to start surrendering to that vision of what he had for you. And then just to get her own back, I prayed for her once during that time, and I got the weird shakes in my arms every time I pray, and it still hasn't gone away. And that's, yeah, and that's from you. So, um, so be careful who you pray for. It's catching. Okay. So, yeah, just be careful. Um, and then you know, there's this expression which I really don't like called "slain in the spirit." I don't know. It's it's so manipulated, and it reminds you of TV evangelists, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Sometimes the Lord meets people so powerfully, and sometimes. I have a friend who was in the CIA, who's six foot five and I don't know, 200 and whatever, 300 pounds. Just a monstrous man. Incredibly proud, incredibly stubborn. And God absolutely smashed him. Just crushed him. Sent him flying about three rows back, on his back. It's like, I'm God, you're not. (laughs) And that transformed him, transformed him. And the man is, goodness, he's seen God do some crazy things. But God had to break him, had to show him who's actually powerful. But for many others, it's just like your muscles weaken. You're like, you just, you just lose control. And God's just saying like, I'm bigger. The supernatural is bigger than the natural. I am God, and I'm with you, and it's like this embrace. And I've heard testimonies of people, and this does get a little bit scary. I mean, I've, I, you know, there's testimonies of people who have been, in, been like that for a week. And in that time, God's just talking to them and ministering to them. And some of them have heavenly um, visions and these most incredible experiences of God. Some people talk about electricity, not the kind of gentle sort, but really powerful, like waves of energy of the Holy Spirit pulsating through them. Really hard to ignore. And then, if you look at Scripture, because obviously when I get to the really crazies, I want to go to Scripture. We have in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 3 and 4, Paul writes this, And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter, that he's taken in the Spirit into heaven. I know that's in the Bible, guys, but there's a lot in the Bible that God intends us to know because it's real. Okay, and this wasn't just for Paul. I know that because I know dozens of testimonies with the Holy Spirit has done this with people. And I don't know which one to put last, actually. I don't know which one I find more crazy. But you know, I think the story of Philip is the one that, I, that gets me in Acts 8, 39, 40. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Otis. The Holy Spirit physically transported him. And I, I, again, this is in the Bible because God wants to know this is what he's capable of, this is what the Spirit can do. And I've heard stories because <laughs> I deal with the persecuted church I hear stories of like, Chinese Christians saying like we were praying one night and suddenly there was this American in the room praying with us <laughs> or this Frenchman or something praying with us maybe it was an angel, maybe maybe it was someone that got brought there and then they're gone and I've heard testimonies of people saying that that's what they've experienced so some of these are really nice and simple like, feeling that warm embrace of the Spirit is one of the most amazing things. And, it, and it's there for us. Um, these other, you know, as you get further along, these are more rare. And Paul says in that passage in Corinthians, he says he does not boast in his experiences of the Spirit. And so I just want to be clear here. Paul says, I do not boast. Um, so when, when I was younger, I used to... I used to really want to have these experiences. You know, I haven't even been slain in the spirit. It's, it's, and it really irritates me. Except when I found out that Bill Johnson was like 50-something when it happened to him the first time. So I've got time. But um, you know, maybe it's only for some people. But when I was younger, I used to crave these. And you know, charismatics are sometimes accused of, you know, chasing the what's it, Bill, chasing the gifts and not the giver, or something like that. The gifts are not the giver. You know, sure, maybe, maybe some charismatics do that. I tend to think that if our hearts are pure and we are seeking the reality of God, I think the Father thinks that's okay. Right. I think he thinks that's okay. But I have, I have changed my perspective as I've got older. Maybe less energetic. But I know in the season that Jesus is calling us to press into him, to experience him. Okay, I'm just going to keep saying that, guys. He's imminent. He wants us to experience him. And that's my goal. My goal is to experience him. My goal is to chase after Jesus and say, Lord, whatever it is that you might want to show me, however it is that you might want me to experience you, I, I will take it. And try and give him a free hand. You know, the reason that I've spoken on tongues, speaking in tongues a few times, is that there are people who, who cut themselves off from the Holy Spirit because they're scared of a gift of God. And it's so sad. It's so sad. Will we give the Holy Spirit a free hand? Will we let Him be God? And if He does nothing, cool. If He transports you to China so you can pray for someone sick on their deathbed, cool. But will you seek Jesus? And will you let him use you as he wants to use you? I still find it easier to agree with the disciples. Jesus, if you're going to form a kingdom, time to bring out the angels, time to bring out the army, time to beat Rome, let's build a kingdom, Lord. It's called on fire from heaven, Lord. But he fills people with his spirit and he says, go, spread the good news. when um, is Adina in the room tonight? It's not here, okay. Um, If any of you know Heidi Baker and you've followed her ministry um, amazing woman went to Mozambique tried to plant churches, I think maybe planted 10 or 12 or 18 or something, a handful in in several years. She was filled with the spirit, she had one of these experiences of being basically comatose for a couple of days and within a few years she had planted over 10,000 churches. Not just obviously just her, but her ministry and all the people under her care. It exploded in one of the hardest places to do ministry, where regularly her pastors are killed. Um, Jackie Pollinger, my other, my, my heroes, these woman of the faith. Jackie Pollinger, the British um, missionary who was an evangelist in the worst slum in the world in Hong Kong. And she's struggling to see people healed, struggling to see them saved. And she's filled with the Spirit she presses into the things of the spirit and then suddenly when she's praying for drug addicts they're not only healed of the addiction but they have no withdrawal the the point of the spirit the point of jesus's kingdom is not that we have these experiences obviously the point of the holy spirit is that we are united with god that we live in a spiritual reality where we are in partnership with him so was, you know if adina was here if you listen if you haven't take adina out for a coffee take her out and ask her some stories. And you'll be amazed at the things she has done, the the places she's been, the children that she's worked with in refugee camps in, in, I don't know, 10 or 12 different countries. And she does great work, but you know the stories that she goes to are the ones where God moves. Because she does good work and children are helped. But when she prays, people are saved, physically and spiritually, and they are healed, and God transforms. Her life without God would still do good but she would always be limited to the tools of the world but with the Spirit she's not limited by man's rules and man's tools and neither are we on a really simple level Amanda I'm going to steal one of your stories I hope I tell it right okay but Amanda was subbing at Tyler's school was this last week or two weeks ago a couple of weeks ago two two weeks ago okay forgive me if I watch the story guys but, you know, Tyler works with, with kids who have been kicked out of schools. It's the lost-stop school. Um, so these are not always easy kids. Um, and Amanda went in subbing. And with one kid in particular, the first thought wasn't, well, this kid's so unruly, or what's this kid's problem, or what's it going to be today? But Amanda saw with spiritual eyes something that was oppressing this kid that needed to be prayed against, not taught against, not whatever, against, but prayed against. And Tyler remarked at how this kid changed in that moment. And that's at a school in Marion, trying to teach kids. Guys, God God wants, He wants to establish 10,000 churches in Mozambique. He wants to help a kid down the road. And He wants to do it through us. So again, I say, if you are pressing in for living water, if you're pressing in for um, a heart that wants to worship the Father in spirit and truth, if you're pressing in to know Jesus, these are never selfish intentions. Jesus is always going to use you. Always. And He's going to use you so much more than if you don't have Him. Amen. Can I pray for us? You can stay seated. Amanda's going to listen in case there's anything else that needs to be prayed. Okay. Let's pray. Jesus, you're worthy, of, you're worthy of our attention. You're worthy of our worship. Lord, forgive us. I know I felt this this week, Lord. Forgive us when the, the pressures of life crowd you out and we struggle to find time to be with you. Forgive us when we turn to comfort and not to the source of life for refreshment. Mm -hmm. Jesus, we we want to know you more. We want to claim, Lord, that promise of Scripture that you stand at the door and knock, and if we open, you will come in. You will dine with us. You'll meet us. Lord, we claim the promise that you said that you would be in us through your Spirit. We ask you, Lord, to take us deeper. Lord, where we've put up theological barriers or Intellectual barriers or emotional barriers. Lord, you know the why of those. I ask you, Jesus, meet us there. Meet us in those places and pull them down, Lord. Let our hearts be open, Jesus, to you. Holy Spirit, we can't put you in a box. Even Jesus, you said that those who have the Spirit are like the wind. We don't know where they've come from or where they're going. Holy Spirit, you can't be put in a box. Forgive us, Lord, where we've we've said we'd have you, but only on our conditions. Forgive us. Lord, as much as we are able, we say, have your way. Have a free hand in my heart and my life. Jesus, you are deserving of all our praise. You're deserving of our surrender. We give you our hearts and we give you our lives. we ask that you would move, Lord. I pray that your children in this church would encounter you. Holy Spirit, they would encounter you as the real living Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal Jesus to us.